God can sustain us. God is good all the time. Good to see everybody in the house of the Lord. We praise God uh, to be able to worship together and testify and pray. How many were blessed by the worship this afternoon? We are spoiled. We are spoiled to have an anointed worship team lead us into the presence of God. And we are just so grateful. You know, I really believe that your week is going to be so much better because you came to the house of the Lord to worship him. I really believe that. I really believe that no matter what happens this week, you're going to have an advantage because you chose today to come to the house of the Lord to worship and pray and testify and study God's word. Anybody believe that? All right, I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 23. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Now, before I uh, begin to dissect this passage of Scripture, I want to remind you that we open up the Word of God to be transformed by it. We open up the Word of God to submit to it. We open up the Word of God to be spiritually fed by it. How many know that we need to be regularly spiritually fed? And Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, that man shall not live off of bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out the mouth of God. So we come to get fed. We don't come to play games. Some of y'all have some obstacles and challenges to face, and you need to be stronger. You need to be stronger. So we worship in part to get stronger. We pray in part to get stronger. We open up the word in part to get stronger. Someone say stronger. And I'm teaching the church that there's a way to sit up underneath the teaching of God's word in order to get all that God has for you. So listen, just because the word goes out doesn't mean everybody gets it. Just because the word goes out doesn't mean everybody gets it. In fact, Jesus taught a parable, I believe it was in Mark chapter 4 or 5, where he said after the seed is planted, the birds come and try to steal the seed. The seed represented the word of God. The birds represented the things of the enemy. The enemy doesn't want you to receive. He don't mind you being near just don't receive. He don't mind you listening, just don't receive. And so there's a way that we as people of God sit up underneath the teaching of God. I'm just teaching the whole church because I don't want you to miss out on what God has for you. Every time we gather together, God has something for you. And so we, we sit up underneath the teaching of God's word with an open heart. We sit up under the teaching of God's word with an engaged heart and mind. We want to engage the word. And we sit up underneath the teaching of God's word, leaning into the word. We want to lean into it because we believe God is going to speak to us. We believe the Bible is the word of our king, the Lord of lords, the creator of heaven and earth. And one word from God can change your life forever. One word from God can change your life forever. So I want to teach us this afternoon from Proverbs 4, 20, 
uh, three, and simultaneously, I want to remind us or call to our attention that we are about 105 days away from a new year. We are about 105 days until we hit 2020. Where are we at? 22. I got lost. I don't count 2019. I'm one year younger. But we're about 105 days into this new year. And every new year that you get, because not everybody gets a new year, every new year that you get, it is an outward sign that God has given you another chance to start all over again. Every new year that you get, it's an outward sign that God is saying, I'm blessing you to start all over again. You get to reset. And we want to go into this new year with, with a strong heart. We want to go into this new year with a healthy heart. We want to go into this new year with a pure heart. For Jesus said, only the pure in heart will see the kingdom of God. So it's part of my responsibility to help prepare your heart so that when you go into this new year, you go into it with a strong heart, healthy heart, pure heart, because I really believe that God has something for you in this next year, you can't even imagine that God wants to slap you upside the head with a blessing that you can't even imagine. But your heart has to be ready for what God has for you or you'll mess it up. So I want to teach from Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, and I'm going to read this out of the New Living translation some of the translations may be different but listen to what it says it says guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life i'm going to read it again guard your heart so i'm going to say heart guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life the king james version says keep your heart, someone say heart. heart, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life. Now, when the Bible mentions the word heart, particularly right here, it's not referring to the physical heart. It's not referring to the physical heart. In fact, most of the time when the Bible uses the word heart, it's referring to your innermost being, your innermost being. The heart, predominantly in the Bible, refers to our innermost being. Let me teach you something, follow along. The heart is the great vital spring of the soul. The heart is the fountain of actions. The heart is the seat of motives are you following along i'm going to repeat myself the heart is the great vital spring of the soul the heart is the fountain of actions the the heart is the seat of motives get this follow along the heart is the center of your thoughts and the center 
of your feelings and the center of your being. That's why when God says you, when you come to him, you go to him with all your heart. That's why God says when you decide to trust in him, you better trust in him with all your heart. God does not want 10% of you. He doesn't want 50% of you. He doesn't want 99.99.99% of you. He wants all. Someone say all. The heart is the inner person. It is the real you. The heart is the inner person. It is the real you. So remember, the Bible teaches we have an outer person and we have an inner person. The outer person is this flesh, this body. This is the outer person. It's the flesh. It's the body. The Bible calls it your temporary tabernacle while you're in this earth. This flesh is only temporary. And the Bible describes that there is a war between the outer and the inner. There, there's this war between the flesh and the spirit. Some of y'all know about that war, right? You know that when you look back in your life and how you were when you were separated from Jesus, wasn't following Jesus, you often did things that you really didn't want to do you often went to places where you really didn't want to go you often said things that you really didn't want to say I know when I look back at my life before Jesus I did things I really really didn't want to do it was the outer person dragging my inner person into a place where I wasn't supposed to be are you following along there's this war between the outer and the inner I call it the world war me World War me. Then there's the inner person that's called the spirit man or the heart man. The real you is not you sitting on that chair. The real you is you looking out at me from behind your eyes. That is the real you that the Bible calls your spirit or your heart. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 27 verse 13, it says, as the face is reflected in water, so the heart reflects the real person. Does anybody follow along? So as we study the importance of the heart today, let me lay at your feet several main reflections. I believe that will strengthen you. Someone say number one. It starts in the heart. It starts in the heart. Now I'm going to always go back to Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23. Let me read it again. Guard your heart above all else. And here's the next phrase. It's key. For it determines the course of your life. Listen how important it is. It determines the course of your life. So, so that phrase teaches us that your heart is a pump that pumps life or death throughout your, your life. The heart is the spiritual pump that pumps good or bad throughout your life. Is anybody following along? The, the NIV translation says of the same phrase, for everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from 
it. So, so we, can, we can gather from that phrase that life or death flows from the heart. Are you following along? Strength or weakness flows from the heart. Life or death flows from the heart. Strength or weakness flows from the heart. Purity or impurity flows from the heart. If your heart is healthy, your entire life will be healthy. If your heart is healthy, your relationships will be healthy. If your heart is healthy, your thinking will be healthy. If your heart is healthy, your marriages will be healthy. If your heart is healthy, your actions will be healthy. But the opposite is also true. If your heart is infected, your life will be infected. If your heart is infected, your relationships will be infected. If your heart is infected, your marriage will be infected. If your heart is infected, your money will be infected. If your heart is infected, everything you touch will be infected. You know why? Because your heart is infected and it affects everything about you. So you see some brothers and sisters everywhere they go, they kick up dust and they break relationships. Why? They think the other people are to blame, but after about the fourth or fifth relationship, it's not the other person. It is you, my brother and sister. And it may be because your heart has become infected. Everything in life is affected by our heart. The, the, the New King James or the King J New King James Version says of the same phrase, listen to this. It says, for out of it springs the issues of life. For out of your heart springs the issues, the issues, some say issues, the issues of life. Have you ever met, have you ever met a brother that's just full of issues? Everywhere he goes, he just leaves behind issues. Have you, have you ever met a sister who's just full of issues in life, right? You help her with one thing, and then she gets over that, and then it's another thing. And then you help her with that, and then it's another thing, just, just full of issues. It's just this, an individual just has issues. A person who's full of issues usually needs lots of tissues. Y'all didn't know I could rhyme. Because everything in life is affected by the heart. And God taught us this in the Bible many times. Listen, in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 2, it says, A wise man's heart directs him toward the right, but the foolish man's heart directs him towards the left. Jesus even confirmed this truth in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. Listen to what he said. He said, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored in his heart did you catch that the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart but the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart so so good attracts good evil attracts evil it all depends upon what's in your heart which what have you stuffed your heart with Whatever's in your heart is going gonna, is gonna to be like a magnet. Hmm, someone say, check your heart. Why is that individual always attracted to you? Why are you always attracted to this particular individual? And you just, after the fifth relationship, man, you remind me of, and then you remind me of, and then you remind me of, it's, maybe it's because you have put something in your heart that is attracting 
It starts in the heart. Secondly, I would suggest that lasting change starts in the heart. Lasting change. So if you change outwardly, but you do not change inwardly, change will not last. You change outwardly, you try to change outwardly, you try to get a new dress, you try to get a new suit, maybe you do your hair, you change outwardly, but you don't change inwardly, change will not last. And it's fascinating because in every generation, there are people that try to fabricate change in their life by changing the outside instead of the inside. So they think, if I just get a better job, my life will be better. If I just get a raise, my life will get better. If I just find a spouse, my life will get better. But all those are outer things and not the inner things. And so you change the outer without the inner, that change does not last. Does this make sense to anybody? And we're sneaky, we're sneaky, all of us are sneaky, y'all sneaky, I'm sneaky, everybody's sneaky. And we try to fabricate change, and in every generation, God calls out people for trying to change outwardly, but not inwardly. In fact, in the Old Testament, God rebuked the religious leaders. In Joel chapter 2, verse 3, God told them, he said, tear your hearts and not merely your garments. That's what God told them. He said, tear your heart. And not just merely your garment. In other words, all you're trying to do is change your clothes. You're just, you're just trying to put on some new clothes and you act like you changed. No, no, no. Go beyond the exterior and go into the interior and that change will last. Is anybody picking up what I'm putting down? And, and we, we, are, we are sneaky. We are sneaky. And, and when you think about it, millions of people try to change their behavior without changing their hearts. Every year, every year, millions of people try to change their behavior without changing their heart. You know what it's called? It's called New Year's resolutions. New Year's resolutions. And they, and they, and they, they get excited and they, they say, uh, uh, I'm going to change my diet. I'm going to change my, I'm going to stop going to McDonald's. I rebuke the spirit of McDonald's. I'm not, I'm not going to McDonald's no more. And, and some say, uh, I'm going to stop smoking. I'm not going to, I'm flushing down my cigarettes. I'm, I'm going to stop smoking. Some, some say, I'm going to stop getting drunk. I'm not going to drink no more. I am tired of it. I am not going to drink no more. Some even say, I'm going to, I'm going to commit to being celibate. I'm just going to be celibate. And I didn't get no amens off that one. Hold up. I didn't get, I didn't get no amens off of that. Y'all don't know. Sometimes I'll be testing y'all. I throw something out there just to see what I need to teach on next week. But millions of people try to change the outward without changing the inward. And they do good. Some do good for about three months. Some do even great for about six months. But inevitably, inevitably 90% of them start going back to their old patterns of behavior. You know why? Because they never changed on the inside. And even Jesus picked this up with us when he was on this earth and he rebuked uh, the religious leaders when he was on the earth. You know what Jesus said in Matthew 23 verse 26? Listen, Jesus said, he looked at the religious leaders and he said, blind Pharisees first clean the inside of the cup and dish and then the outside also will be clean. So go to the inside. Go to the inside. 
and 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 I, I know you I know I know that deep down in your heart, just like me, I want lasting change. Deep down in my I want lasting change. I don't want seasonal change. I don't want seasonal change. I don't want to just be good for a couple months. I don't want to just flow for a couple months. I don't want to be a fair weather Christian. I don't want to just call upon God when all hell breaks loose in my life. No, I want permanent change. I, I want lasting change. I, I, I want to be able to be consistent in my walk with God. I don't want my spiritual house to be a house of cards, flimsy. And so I would challenge us. I would challenge us. Take charge of your heart. Take charge of your heart. That's what it says in Proverbs 24, 23. It says, guard your heart above all else. Guard your heart. So this teaches us, my brothers and sisters, that we have a responsibility with the heart that God has given us. We, we have a responsibility to manage the heart that God has given us. We have a responsibility to steward the heart that God has given us. He's given us the miraculous thing of a heart, and we must manage the miracle of our heart, and we cannot afford to let, let our heart just go. We cannot afford to just coast in this world. Repeatedly in the Bible, God tells us to take charge of our heart, to do something with our heart. For example, in 1 Chronicles chapter 22, verse 19, it says, Set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord. It says, Set your heart heart why does it say that because everything in this world is pushing your heart away from god everything in this world from the moment you wake up in the morning it pushes you away from the things of god it pushes you away from the house of god it pushes you away from prayer and if you don't set your heart on the things of god you are going to be pushed away there is no neutral in this world there is no neutral in the kingdom of God if you think you can live your life on neutral you will go backwards and not even realize it until your life is over so we must set set we must take charge of our heart now what does that mean what does it mean well number one to take charge of your heart means to surrender it to the Lord Jesus Christ to take charge of your heart is to surrender it to Jesus. This is the first and foremost thing that you should do. If you do not do this, nothing else matters. It's the first and most important thing you must do with your heart is surrender it to Jesus because the Bible teaches that our hearts apart from Jesus are sick. It's deceptive. Our, our hearts apart from Jesus are infected. It. But the good news is God offers us a new heart. The good news is God offers us a new heart. He says it over and over in the Bible. God, I don't know if you realize this, but he is the chief heart transplanter. He offers you a new heart. In Ecclesiastes 36 verse 26, God says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit a new heart and put a new spirit in you jeremiah 24 verse 7 he says i will give them a heart 
to know me. I will give them a heart to know me. Listen, I think back, at, like I kind of reflect on where I'm at in my journey uh, in life right now, and, and I, can, I can rightfully kind of like just testify right, that, that I, I have no desire to, to get high. Like I have no desire to get drunk. I have no desire to live like a party type lifestyle. It's not because I'm Superman. It's not because I'm stronger than anybody in here. I fight the same battles that you fight. I'm flesh and blood just like you. But I don't have those desires because God has given me a new heart. He's given me a new heart, and so I have different desires. I, I have different dreams now. I have different a, a, a affections now. My, my affections are on different things. It's not because I'm Superman. It's not because I, I don't, you know, want to necessarily. It's because I have new desires. comes with a new heart. So to take charge of your heart also means to guard it from impurity. To guard it from impurities. Now, I want to talk like family for a, mo for a moment to those that are part of Chapel of Change. If you're a first-time guest here, we're grateful that you're here. And we're going to let you eavesdrop a little bit on this little conversation. But for those that are part of Chapel of Change, um, I need you to know that we are living in a generation of rage. I really believe that in the last year, the spirit of rage has been poured out on this world probably like never before. And this spirit of rage is affecting many people's hearts. It's dividing marriages. It's dividing families. It's dividing friends. It's dividing churches. P people no longer disagree. We villainize who we disagree with. We talk bad about people. We point fingers at people. And I really believe it is the spirit spirit of rage that has infected a lot of people's hearts. So my, my, my prayer and my exhortation to you, Chapel of Change, is don't get sucked into the rage of our generation. Don't get sucked into the fight in our generation. There, there is a type of fight that even if you win, you lose. There is a type of fight that even if you win the argument, you're still going to get a divorce. So we got to use discernment. We got to use discernment. We got to protect our hearts against the elements in this world that, that are sent to infect us and enrage us. Be careful, my brothers and sisters, because it wants to hit your heart. And so we got to protect our heart against anger and bitterness. We got to protect our heart against greed and fear. We got to protect our heart. This is why when the Bible teaches about the uh, armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6, the Bible says you better 
put on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. It is the second largest piece of armor, second to the shield of faith. And it is vital because it protects your, 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 your vital organs. It protects your heart. And the Bible says that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So the enemy shoots arrows of low self-esteem, arrows of anger, arrows of insecurity to try to hit you where it counts in the heart. Listen, if you get hit in the hand, you could survive. You get hit in the toe, you can survive. But if you take off your breastplate and allow the enemy to hit your heart, you are dust. You are dust and you will not be useful in our generation. You'll be like everyone else in this world. And God has not called us to be like everybody else. He called us to be a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. He called us to live holy. He called us to shine the light of the kingdom of God, not to be like everybody else. So be careful. Be careful about putting that breastplate off of you. So we, we, this is one of the reasons, this is one of the reasons why we regularly gather for worship. This is one of the reasons why we gather here on Sundays at 10 a.m. and 1230 is because what, one of the reasons is we gather to ask God to purify our heart. We gather together in worship, in prayer, in the study of God's word is to cry out, Lord, cleanse me, cleanse me, because this, this world has a way of contaminating all of us, get sucked into it every now and then, even including myself, man. I, I, I banged on somebody the other week because I just had enough of it. I just said, man, you, just, you might as well just leave the church. And da, 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 I, I'm guilty. But one of the reasons why we come is to say, Lord, purify me, create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit inside of me. That's why we got to keep coming back. We got to keep coming back to the altar and allow God to cut off some things that have attached itself in our life. Listen, some of us work in hostile environments. Some of us live in hostile environments, and we need to, every night, we need to regularly come to the house of the Lord and let the word of God wash us. <sighs> moment you step back out there, hello, somebody. The last thing I would share is that to take charge of your heart is to conform it to God's word. Conform it to God's word. There is the initial surrender that leads to salvation but then there's the daily surrender that helps us to conform our heart to God's word. Did you catch that? There's the initial surrender that leads to salvation. But then there's the daily surrender that leads to obedience. Every decision we make must be conformed to the word of God. The Word of God is our map. It is our direction. It is our game plan. It is our assignment. Every decision that we make, we must surrender that decision to the Word of God. We must conform our hearts to God's Word. Someone say Word. Got to conform it to God's word. Why? Because it's the word of God that cleanses us. It's the word of God that strengthens us. It's the word of God that empowers us. It's the word of God that keeps us on the straight and narrow. When I was first started serving the Lord at 17 years old, I used to um, fail more often than I do now. I've gotten a little stronger since then. 
When I first started serving the Lord, you know, you come out the gate stumbling. But I found a scripture that would help me every time I failed, and it was Psalms 119.9. This is one of the first scriptures I memorized. And Psalms 119.9 has been a strength to my soul ever since I was 17 years old. It says, how withal shall a young man cleanse his ways by taking heed thereto according to your word. How can I cleanse my ways when I mess up and I screw up and I mess things up? The Bible says, how would you allow God to cleanse your ways? It's by submitting. It is by taking heed to the word of God. And let me tell you something. God has been faithful. And in that, that, that scripture is still good for me today. As a teenager, I didn't take charge of my heart. And I let impurities and sin come into my heart. And next thing you know, when you don't take charge of your heart, next thing you know, sin will rule your heart. It will rule your heart. If you don't take charge of your heart, you allow sin to come in, next thing you know, that sin will be leading you and guiding you and master you. You ever heard of the statement, sin will take you farther than you want to go and keep you longer than you want to stay? That's the power of sin. It will take you farther than you want to go and keep you longer than you want to stay. And that's what happened with me. I opened up my heart to the sin of the world, and, and the sin came in, and next year, you know, the sin began to master my life, and it began to, the sin began to drive me to the dirt. It began to drive my life to the dirt. It began to drive my relationships to the dirt. It began to drive my mind to the dirt, and many of you know the story, until one day, as a teenager, I wake up in a prison cell with a life sentence. Drove me to the dirt, ended up with a life sentence, and I, I thank God for people that don't give up on you. I thank God for people that pray for you. I thank God for mothers and fathers who keep on praying and keep on trusting the Lord. I thank God for relatives that contend for you and, and pray for you because eventually I got down on my knees and I surrendered my heart to Jesus. Eventually in that one man cell, I said, Jesus, here's my infected heart. Here's my sick heart. And praise be to the Lord God, he answered my prayer. And he said, Brian, I got a new heart for you. And God gave me a new heart. Gave me a new heart. And I began to treasure that heart. I began to take charge of that heart. I begin to stuff that heart with the things of God. I begin to stuff that heart with the fruit of the Spirit, love. I stuff my heart with love, stuff my heart with joy, stuff my heart with peace. I begin to stuff my heart with the things of God. Just, just stuff it, stuff it, stuff it, stuff it. And I found a scripture that one of my earliest scripture that I memorized, you got to be memorizing some scripture. You never outgrow memorizing scripture. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 through 22. Listen to what it says because I was stuffing my heart. I was stuffing my heart with the things of God. I was on fire. For, I was excited for the Lord. Just stuffing my heart. And it says, my son, attend to my words. Incline thy ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thy eyes. So notice that ears, let them not depart from thy eyes. Keep them in the, in the midst of thy what? 
heart. So you have the ear, you have the eyes, and you have the heart. And he said, if you do this, if you do that, the next phrase is going to be your blessing. The next phrase is going to be your breakthrough. He says, for they are life. Someone say life. For they are life. They are life unto those that find a life. Life. Someone say life. Life. And then I learned in John 10.10, John 10, Jesus said, I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Life. Someone say life. He said, if you get in my word, you obey my word, you put the word at the center of your life, I will give you life. Jesus said, if you, if you, give, if you receive me, I'm going to give you life. I'm going to give you abundant life. And then there I was. There I was. I was like, wow, wow. Uh, the devil gave me life. But then Jesus gave me life. And then I got this new heart. The devil gave me life. Simultaneously, Jesus gave me life. And I found this scripture that said, if you stuff your heart with the word, this life is going to become manifest more so in your life. So I started, I, I, I was ignorant enough to obey God, right? I, was, I just knew I went, I'm going to obey God. I tried everything else. I might as well try God, right? And I said, man, I'm going to stuff my heart with the word. Stuff my heart with the word. Stuff my heart. Stuff it. Stuff it. Stuff my heart with the word. And I began to stuff my heart with the word of God. And can I tell you what happened? Can I tell you what happened? Eventually, listen to this, God's life begin to supersede the devil's life. Eventually, can I tell y'all what happened? Can I testify about God? Eventually, God's abundant life begin to override the devil's life. Hello, somebody. As I stuff my heart with the word, stuff my heart with the things of God, God's abundant life begin to replace the devil's life begin to replace the devil's life in so much that I stand before you today living the abundant life in God and most people would never even imagine unless I told you unless I told y'all you'd never imagine that I one time I had the devil's life but then I accepted God's life and as I stuffed the word in my heart God's life began to replace the devil's life and today I'm experiencing the abundant life in God and can I testify for a second listen it feels good it feels good to have the abundant life in Christ Jesus it feels good to live this abundant life listen can I testify for a second it feels good to be a husband in the name of Jesus it feels good to be a father in the name of Jesus it feels good to have a job hello somebody some of y'all need to get a job it feels good to have a job it feels good to be able to support my family. It feels good to be able to go to a restaurant and pay for the meal. It feels good to be able to take my kids to Knoxbury Farm. Listen, it feels good. It feels good, man. The abundant life in Christ Jesus feels good. So my challenge to y'all, we're about ready to get another chance about ready to get another chance check your heart let's give the lord a hand praise